Well, good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Steve Hammes. I'm one of the small group leaders and the elder here at Shiloh. And today, I'm excited. Well, every day that I get to do this, I'm excited. But today, I'm especially excited because I've spent the last month just simmering around the book of Jonah. So today, we're going to take a whirlwind tour through the book of Jonah in 27 minutes. I might go over a little bit, but we're going to do it. All right, so if you have your Bibles, open them up to the book of Jonah. And uh, Pastor Don, who used to be one of our pastors, used to always say this. He would, he'd say, use your Bible like a textbook. You know, write in it, highlight, underline it as a textbook for life. Write in the margins. Use it as a textbook. So I encourage you, if you've got your Bible today, just follow along. And we're going to dive right in. First things first, who is this guy? Who's Jonah? We don't know a whole lot about Jonah, except for the fact that he was a great prophet during the time of King Jeroboam. And then his dad's name was Amittai. That's about it. That's about all we know about Jonah. But this book opens up with a, just a bam. I don't know if you've ever had a, a situation that you've been with some people who have had a little argument before you got there. My wife and I went to dinner a couple years ago with some, another couple. We're having dinner, and, and all of a sudden this little jab came at one of the spouses. And then they responded back with a little jab, and it was kind of funny. And then the next jab and the next jab got a little more serious and it got super uncomfortable and I just put my head down like shoveling food in. We didn't know what to do. We knew that we walked into something that happened before we got there and this was a little bit of a carryover that they had a little tiff. I don't know what it was about, but that's how the book of Jonah opens up today. We're going to open it up and you walk right in and something happened before we start reading, but we don't know what it is. We're going to find out a little bit later. So let's start in. Open up the door, come in the living room, and we see this. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. So first things first, who's Nineveh? Nineveh is this this city of about 120,000 people. Compare that to Manchester. In 2019, Manchester had 112,000. So we're about there, right? So it's a pretty good-sized city. And they're an enemy of Israel. So he's telling Jonah, go preach to your enemy. It says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So let's take a look at this map. So he was right above Joppa. That's where he lived. And God said, go to Nineveh, right over there. Um, It would be on that monitor, but it's not. So it's right over there, not very far. But what does he do? He goes down to Joppa, gets on a boat, and he goes 1,200 miles in the opposite direction, clearly running from God, right? He thought that he could run away from the Lord. So today I'm going to pull out different points to ponder in each chapter. And the first point that I want to ponder in this chapter is that Jonah had an assignment from the Lord. Every single one of us in this room have an assignment from the Lord, don't we? As believers in Jesus Christ, he said, go and tell others about me. We have an assignment to go share the gospel, the good news to other people. But Jonah got that same assignment, but he had a special assignment on top of that. And sometimes God's going to come to you and he's going to give you a special assignment. And he's going to communicate that assignment to you in whatever way that's going to best make sense to you. But Jonah thought that he could avoid this assignment by running away rather than obeying God. So we go into verse 4. 
And it says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. So what I like about this is that the Lord sent a great wind. And I, as I read this, I'm thinking, I wonder what it's like to be God, right? You see Jonah, and you tell him you want him to do something, and the guy scoots out, thinks he's going to escape you, but, whoa, I'm already here, yo. And, and Jonah comes, and he gets on the ship, and he goes down below, and, and God must be saying, i got to get this guy's attention. So I'm going to dial up the dial. I'm going to send a great wind, and I'm going to start to make this the storm come up. And here's the thing. This is important because a lot of us have drama in our life or you've had drama in your life. And a lot of times we give all those things that we see as bad or as stressful. We give the devil the credit. We blame it on the devil, don't we? It's the devil. But there are times in your life that God's going to put drama in your life to get your attention. And that's point number two. Not every roadblock in your life that you consider bad is from the devil. So what's coming in Jonah's life, this predicament that he's in, the situation that he's in, he's in it because he disobeyed God. And some of you are here this morning, and this is going to be hard for you to hear, but you're here because you have drama in your life, but it's because you disobeyed God or you're disobeying God. And that's hard to hear. And maybe you're here and you listen to that and go, I'm out the door. Don't leave yet. There's something in your life that God has asked you to deal with to get rid of, to clean up some, some part of your life, and you're running from God, and he wants to get your attention. And in this story, the captain goes down and he says to Jonah, how can you sleep? How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us so that none of us will perish. And here's the thing. This entire ship is in turmoil because of one man's disobedience. Because one guy is running from God. God asked him to step out, and he's running from it. If that's you today, I want you to realize something. You're causing drama in other people's lives because of your disobedience. You may be causing your entire family drama because of your disobedience. And here upstairs, the sailors are trying to help out, and they're taking perfectly good things, and they're throwing them overboard to help this guy out. And maybe that's you. Maybe at your house, you're the one trying to put it all together, to keep it all together, put food on the table, pay the bills, and you got a Jonah downstairs sleeping in your basement, causing you all the drama in your life. So verse 7, it says that they cast lots and determined it was Jonah. They wanted to see whose fault is this, so they cast lots. And again, I sit there and think of God going, really, we're going to do this? All right, you guys want to cast lots? It's him. And, he, and the lot falls to Jonah, and they realize It's Jonah causing all of this strife and all of this drama. So they ask him in verse 9, it says, Where did you come from and what is your story? What's going on with you? And Jonah answers, he says, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And this terrified them and they asked him, What have you done? Says that they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. In verse 11, it says that the sea is getting rougher. God's dialing it up a little bit more, a little bit more. So they ask Jonah, and they say, 
What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? And Jonah says this. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will be calm. I know that this is my fault, that this great storm has come upon you. Here's a turning point in our story because now Jonah has for the first time taken responsibility for his actions and for his disobedience. But the thing is that God is not going to give up the chase until he gets your attention. And he's going to keep chasing Jonah. So point three, God's not going to give up until he gets your attention. And here's what I see the problem. If, if, if I was there, I would say to Jonah, well, if you know that you're the problem, why don't you just jump overboard? Why do we have to pick you up and throw you out? There's always somebody that wants you to do for them what they could do for themselves. Jonah could have got out, but pick me up, throw me overboard. Until then, I'm not going to really do anything. I had a problem with that. So verse 13 to 16, it says, Instead, which this word just cracked me up. Instead, he just told them what to do to make it better. But instead, and they thought they knew better, the men did their best to roll back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. <laughs> so again, I, I just imagine God sitting there going, he just told you what you need to do. And instead, you're going to try to save the guy, so God's dialing up a little bit more. He's not going to stop. And the sailors, they get to the point that they're rowing, and finally they must have said, this is stupid. This is, this is not working. And they cry out to God and they say, please don't let us perish for this innocent blood. Which means that they decided to do something about it. So they pick Jonah up and they throw him overboard. Here's the thing. Some of you have people in your life right now that you have to recognize they're the reason for the drama in your life. Right? And we have to be careful who we step in to help out. Because we as a people, a lot of times, we see somebody suffer and God's got a plan for that person, but we're stepping in because we don't want to see them suffer. And we're getting in God's way of what he has for somebody. And we have to be careful that we don't try to be the amateur providence that gets involved to save somebody from that. Because God works with people and he'll cause that drama to get their attention. So these guys get sucked right into that drama because God's not going to let it go. And for some of you, your situation's not getting any better in your life because you have a Jonah in your life that's causing all the drama. For others, the drama in your life is caused because you're just running from God and you're disobeying God. And a lot of times when God's called us, we know what it is. We know what he's calling and asking us to do. And we know what we're pushing aside, whether it's something you watch, a habit that you have, something God wants you to clean up. We oftentimes, we know what that is. And you know what? Sometimes we just got to pick it up and throw it out. Throw it out. Maybe it's the Jonah in your life that's causing you the drama. Maybe it's something that's keeping you from the best that God has for you. And we have to pick it up and we have to throw it out. And what happens? It says that they threw him out and the raging sea grew calm. Isn't that amazing? God has the capacity to bring instant calm into your life once you step into obedience. Instant calm. And in verse 17, the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. I love this, that the fish didn't show up. God prepared that fish to be there when they threw Jonah overboard. So this reminded me of a story of a little girl who was talking to her teacher 
And they were talking about swimming in the ocean. She said, I'm terrified to swim in the ocean. And the teacher said, why? And she goes, because I might get swallowed by a whale. And the teacher said, honey, a whale is a large mammal, but it's got a pretty small throat. I don't think it can swallow a whole human being. And the the little girl says, oh, yes, it can. He swallowed Jonah. And the teacher said, honey, like I said, it's a big fish, but it's got a really small throat. It, It didn't swallow Jonah. She goes, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him. And the teacher said, well, what happens if Jonah went to hell? And she goes, well, then you ask him. <laughs> so, it's worked. People have been swallowed by a whale. I had to know. And there have been a couple people historically that have been swallowed by a whale. So Jonah's in the whale. We pick up chapter 2 right here. What do you do when you're sitting in the middle of a whale, in the, in the belly of the whale? You pray, Right? You pray, there he is in the middle of the fish. It's dark, it's wet, it's slimy, it's stinky. And I bet Jonah thought, this isn't what I had in mind. I I, I guess this is probably how it ends. But God had already prepared that whale to be there for him. It certainly wasn't the best place for Jonah to be right then, but it was the safest place for Jonah to be right then rather than in the middle of the ocean. And maybe you're in that position where you said, you know, Steve, I, I, I did this. I threw out my Jonah, or I stepped into obedience, and my life isn't, isn't great. It doesn't magically get better. And you're right. Maybe it's not what you thought it would be when you threw that out, but it's the safest place for you to be. It's the best place. God's plan is the safest plan for you right now. So Jonah... In the whale, praise from a position of desperation, which we all do, right? Wouldn't you pray? And the cool thing is, it doesn't matter how messed up you are. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter what you're doing right now. We can always go to God and we can always pray. We can always press into that. And the thing that I love about God is that he specializes in helping people in that exact predicament. People whose backs are up against the wall. People who need... Just a touch, need to know that he's there. That's God's specialty. When you don't know what to do about your kids, when you don't know what to do about your health diagnosis, when you don't know what to do about your job, your money, whatever, that's the time, at any time, we can go to God and we can pray. And what I love about Jonah's prayer, we're not going to read the whole thing today, is that he cries out to God. And he says this in verse 3. He says, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me, and I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, and seaweed was wrapped around my head. You see, Jonah understood that he was being disciplined by God, and he understood why he's there. But the first thing that he does is he starts to praise God in the middle of the storm. And he cries out to God. And sometimes we'll get to the point that we're in that position. We start saying, God, are you mad at me? Are you punishing me? Why does this keep happening to me? And the thing about God's discipline is that he's not hurting you. God's not trying to hurt you. The purpose of God's discipline isn't to bring you pain. The purpose of God's discipline is to bring you change. God wants change. 
And the purpose of discipline, bringing you the change, is him asking you and pulling you up into a better relationship with him and into a better version of yourself. And the moment that you make up your mind to change is when your situation starts to change. And in verse 8, Jonah says this. He says, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. And what I love about Jonah is that he's starting to proclaim a miracle before it ever happens. He's proclaiming, I'm going to get out and I'm going to keep my vows and I'm going to do what I said I was going to do, Lord. You know, isn't it easy to proclaim a miracle after it already happened? But it's a lot harder to proclaim a miracle before it ever happens. Rhonda, we just prayed for you. And I know that you're proclaiming miracles before God's ever done them. And Rhonda's got that faith, that gap, before you ever see the miracle happen. Rhonda's proclaiming it to God. I believe, God, that this is going to happen. Can you do that when you get the divorce papers? Can you proclaim God in the middle of your storm when you get that diagnosis like Rhonda did? Can you proclaim God in the middle of the storm when your kid's going through an addiction? Can you proclaim it before it ever happens? That's what God wants. That's what Jonah's doing in the middle of the whale. His whole attitude turns. And we need to learn to give God praise about what you want him to do before he even does it. And that's where Jonah is. And as soon as he does it, guess what? It says in verse 10, And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited him onto dry land. The first case of Uber ever. <laughs> the whale was there, took him where he needed to be. Do you realize this? One word from God. One word from God can change your entire circumstance. One word. When the, sail, when the disciples were in the boat and the storm was going and they were crying, Jesus, we're going to die. One word. And he calmed the sea. When the man came to him and said, Jesus, my daughter's, my daughter's dying. And Jesus says, no, I've, I've healed her. Go. One word. One word from the Almighty Creator can change your circumstance. One word. Isn't it amazing? All you need is a word. So we go to chapter 3. Jonah just got thrown up on dry land. And I'm sure he's wiping himself off going, Oh, I am not doing that again. I am not doing that next time God calls. I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. And it's not going to happen again. And what does God do? God's all, Hey, Jonah, you know about that going to Nineveh? I need you to do it. God doesn't let the special assignment go. He's still asking obedience. He says, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it, the message that I give you. The thing about this is Jonah, he wasn't saying, Jonah, come up with a sermon. I want you to come up with a six-page sermon. I want you to go into Nineveh and I want you to proclaim it and convert all the people. The assignment was to simply go do what I asked you to do. And as I thought about my life, there are many times that God's asked me to do something. And I extrapolate all the things that are going to happen. Go tell somebody that, that I love them. Or go tell somebody, can I pray for you? And I bring in all the other junk associated with it thinking, oh, I can't do that. And I run from it. We're no different than Jonah. All we have to do is what God asks us to do. And real belief results in action. Right? So Jonah goes into the city, and he proclaims it. He says, basically, hey, guys, in 40 days, if you don't repent and change your way, God's going to wipe you off the face of the earth. That's all he had to do. But the thing is, the people believed him. 
He didn't want that to happen. The people believed him and they changed their way and they put on sackcloth and they put on ashes and they go, okay, we're going to repent. The king got word of it. He put on sackcloth and ashes and they proclaimed a fast. This is not what Jonah wanted. He proclaimed a fast and their, their, their belief changed and they got into action. And the king said this, he goes, who know? Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and he did not bring on them the destruction that he threatened. He gave them another chance. Our God is the God of second chances. Our God is the God of third chances. He's merciful. And we go to chapter 4. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. Jonah's mad. He didn't, he didn't understand that the goal of his preaching wasn't to, wasn't to get the people not to do it. The goal of the preaching is to see change in people's lives. And the goal of your life and my life is to see change in other people's lives by sharing the gospel. But Jonah wanted God to judge Nineveh because they're his enemy, and a lot of us have that too. We want God to hurt the people that hurt us. And some of your hurts are really real. They're deep. But we all carry that in some form or another. We have prejudices against other people. And we want God to hurt them like they hurt us. And now we find out what happened before we walked into the room in chapter 1. Now we find out what was that little tiff about before we started this whole book. Because Jonah says to God, says, Lord, isn't this what I said when I was in my country? That's why I made haste and I went to Tarshish. That's why I was in such a hurry to go to Tarshish. Because I know that you're a gracious God. And I know that you're merciful. I know that you're slow to anger and abounding in love and relenting from disaster. I know that about you, God. That's why I didn't want to come here. So please take my life from me because it's better for me to die than to live. Jonah, you are a drama queen. <laughs> He's a drama queen. So God starts to ask Jonah some questions. And he goes, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry about this? And what I think is cool about God, when he starts asking you questions, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's because he wants to give you a bigger perspective. He wants to give you his perspective. So Jonah goes out and he sits on a hill and he builds a shelter and he sits there because he wanted to see if God was still going to wipe them off the face of the earth. I'm sure that Jonah thought, you know, I, I said my piece. I told him what I thought. This isn't fair, God. This isn't fair. They, they're, they're my enemy. You should wipe them off the face of the earth. And as he sits on the hill... I just picture a little three-year-old sitting on the hill. Hmm. I wonder if I, if I convince God to change his mind because I'm right. And what does God do? It says, Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. God's always got the next step planned for you. Whatever it is, that next step is already planned. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm. First thing that strikes me, you're still there? You're still, you're still sitting on the hill overnight? It's the next day. He's waiting for God to destroy Nineveh. 
God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die, and he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. And Jonah's anger, it's fueled by his prejudice. He's angry. Everybody has prejudices. We all have a prejudice. We all have people that we don't like. But God said to Jonah, he says, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he, and he says, it is. It is. I'm angry. I'm so angry I wish I were dead. And God says to Jonah, Jonah, you've been concerned about this plant, though. You didn't make it grow. You didn't tend to it. It sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. And shouldn't I have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left? And many animals. God's saying to Jonah, Jonah, look, you're so concerned about yourself. You're so concerned about getting compassion for you that you can't give it to anybody else. And that's such a great lesson for us, isn't it? How many times do we hang on to a hurt or something somebody did to us and we can't, we can't see them in the light of God anymore? We can't love them anymore because we're hanging on to that. We lose sight of relationships. We'll throw our relationship away for 100 bucks because somebody didn't pay it. We throw our relationship away because we're angry because they said something about us on Facebook. Do we care more about being right than doing the right thing? So verse 12 says, Jonah agreed that God was right, and he asked God to bless Nineveh. It's not in your Bible. I know some people are going, there's no verse 12. There's no verse 12. I made it up. Because that's how it should end, right? But there's no verse 12. We have no idea what Jonah did. And I think it was on purpose. I think it's on purpose because it drives us to a point and go, oh, I wonder what happened. And it makes us ask ourselves a couple questions. I think it makes us ask ourselves, what about me? So as we close today, I got a couple questions for you. Where do you need to step into obedience? What is it that God's been chasing you to obey? And how is your unwillingness to obey him keep you from having the best that he has for you? God has something for you. God has a life for you. God has freedom when you step into obedience. And he has that for you. He wants to forgive your sins. He wants to get a relationship with you. He just wants you to step into obedience and take that and have that relationship. And the best thing that you could do today, if that's you, if you're sitting here going, you know what, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm running. I'm running from God because you don't know my past. The things that I've done, the person that I've been, I can't do that. God says, yes, you can. I forgive that. I just want a relationship with you. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, the best thing that you could do is to come to him today and say, you know what, I'm done running. Jesus, I, I take you as my Savior. God forgives all that sin. The raging sea grows calm. And how have you allowed your feelings about other people to affect your ability to love them and have compassion for them? You know, each one of us, God woke us up this morning. God blessed you. He put breath in your lungs. He gave you mercy that you didn't deserve. You know, he, he's protecting you. He's blessing you. 
He forgives you for what you did in the past. And he's, in the whole book of Jonah, he's saying, look, Jonah, I want you to have my heart. I want you to have my heart the way that I love other people. That's what I want you to do. Simply step into obedience. So those two things. What has God asked you to do and step into obedience and you're running? And where are you with your compassion on other people? How have you allowed your prejudices and your thoughts about other people to affect your ability for God's love to flow through you to other people? That's the whole book of Jonah. That's the whole book of Jonah. A guy like you and me running. A guy like you and me just hearing God ask us to do something to go, no, I'm not going to do that. God's saying, I just simply want you to step into it and I'll bless you. That's the best news. We've got a God who desires to bless us. We've got a God who desires to have a relationship with us. And that he wants that for you. So let's pray. God, I thank you for people like Jonah because I'm no different than Jonah. I can read it, God, and I see how many times I've done the exact same thing. I know how many times my hard heart has just stopped me from loving somebody else. My prejudices have gotten in the way, Lord. And I know how many times you've asked me to step into obedience and, and I run. And I think we've all done that, God. And so we hear it loud and clear, Lord, that your desire is that we step into that. Your desire is that we have a relationship. Your desire is that we could love people and let you just flow through us. So for those of us who are here today, Lord, I pray that we press the reset button on some of these things. That we would just look at ourselves and say, all right, it's time for me to give up that habit that you've asked me to give up or that behavior or that thought process, or that harboring anger, that resentment that I have against a person. It's time to lay it on the altar and let it go. So God, we commit that to you today. We put it here. We leave it at the altar, Lord. We want to leave, leave here today as a different person and to step into obedience with you, Lord. God, we just pray that this week you would just bring this to our remembrance and Holy Spirit, you would prompt us when that comes up this upcoming week that we would hear that message from you and that we would step into obedience. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your mercy that we don't deserve and your grace, Lord Jesus. In your holy name we pray, amen. So if that's you today and you're saying, you know what, I'm gonna leave it at the altar. We'd love to pray with you. So if you come up front, we'll have a couple people up here. Love to pray with you. Have a great day. That's three minutes over. But hey, we did it. <laughs> Kudos to you guys. Have a good day.